listen, uh, we're so glad that you guys are all here with us, everybody in person, uh, everybody who is here online. Uh, if you miss any of the messages in our last series called Renew, uh, you can catch up on them on our podcasts, on most podcast sites, as well as YouTube. You could use our Church Center app as well. And by the way, didn't my wife do an amazing job last week? Man, uh, you did such a great job, babe. Um, Krista always um, brings such a, a great perspective uh, to Scripture and uh, always brings out practical, applicable truths uh, that are helpful in our daily lives. And um, I just I love when she speaks. And, and I love that our church gets to have a diet of really not hearing the same voice all the time, but hearing different perspectives. Hearing Chris and I's speaking style is completely different. And uh, I think that's just so beneficial to our church. Uh, sometimes we can get stuck in only receiving one way. And it's important. It actually shows maturity uh, that we can learn from a lot of different ways. So give yourselves a hand. We're just giving hands out all over the place today. It's just crazy. Well, hey, with that, we're going to be starting a brand new series that we're calling Icons. What's an icon? An icon is a symbol or representation uh, of something. And in our series, we're going to be discussing uh, the icons of the Holy Spirit that are depicted in Scripture. You know, Scripture actually gives us some visual imagery to help us become more acquainted with who the Holy Spirit is. And some of these icons are, are things like wind and fire and, and water and clouds and doves. And um, I just, I believe today that, that the Lord wants to speak to us today. And so before we pray over the message and our hearts this morning, I just want to remind you to just listen for moments that the Holy Spirit might be talking to you today. Uh, here's what some of those moments might be like. If you go, hmm, I never thought about that before. When something just sticks out to you, that perhaps could be a moment that the Holy Spirit is saying, hey, lean in right there. I want to talk to you about that. And in the moments where you're highlighting and circling things in your Bible or your notes, or maybe something said that wasn't in the notes and you're writing it down, these are just all moments where the, the Holy Spirit is drawing our attention. And so I just want to encourage you in those moments to lean into him. And if you'll notice at the very bottom of your notes, there's a little spot that says, Says, what might the Holy Spirit be saying to you in light of this teaching? Now, you don't have to wait to the end of the message to fill that out. All throughout the message, if there's just key moments, key things, just take time right there and just jump to the bottom and put in some bullets and, and um, help yourself keep track of what God is saying to you. Well, are you ready? Let's pray. Father, we love you and we thank you for who you are. We ask that you would just have your way in our hearts once again. We know that without your Holy Spirit, the preaching of the word, it just, it can fall on deaf ears. God, but we need the activity of your Holy Spirit to bring that word to our hearts. And God, that it would take root in our hearts, that it would awaken our life. It would awaken our mind, our, our soul, our will. And we just need your transforming work today. And we just declare that you are here, that you are with us, and you want to speak. So God, we just open our ears today in Jesus' name. Somebody say amen. amen. Well, there was a prayer garden off of 40th Street in Phoenix, Arizona. And uh, I don't know if you have ever been there, Cynthia, but it's this tiny little prayer garden tucked right up into the desert mountain. 
And uh, this little prayer garden, these nuns would just run this garden. They, they kept it pristine and, and natural feeling. And it was full of icons all over the place. Uh, statues and, and art and carvings that would depict and tell the story of Jesus. So somebody could go into this little prayer garden and, and uh, be told the story of Christ through these icons that were scattered all across the desert. And I would love to sneak away and get away in that desert and just bring my journal and just walk through there on a, on a nice spring desert day. I miss those days. And uh, man, just pray and, and write down what the Lord was telling me and, and, and do my little rounds around all these different art pieces just to remember what the Lord has done for me. It was always such a great time. And in fact, when, when we go back there, if we ever have time, I, I always love to try to squeeze that trip in. Ellie will take you to that little prayer garden in the desert next time we go there. But in the same way that the icons in this little desert would tell the story of Jesus, um, there's icons in the Bible that help us to understand who the Holy Spirit is. And I want to lay a bit of a, a foundation as we talk about the Holy Spirit before we really kind of dig in today. So today is kind of like an intro to the message, and then we're going to talk about one icon. And when we talk about the Holy Spirit, it's important for us to understand this, that the Holy Spirit's the third person in the Trinity. The word Trinity, um, for those of you Bible nerds, you know that the word Trinity is not in the Bible. It's really a man-made word that's used to describe the three persons of God. The word Trinity just means three in one. And God exists as God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. They're not three different gods, but this is one God in three persons. They are all real. They're all distinct. They're perfectly equal with one another, and they're all fully God. And it's important to know that when we talk about the Holy Spirit. Let me give you a little excuse me, example of their distinctness. As we think about the Trinity at work through salvation, God the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit— all play a different role in salvation. For example, the Father planned salvation for you and I. Uh, we see in John 3.16, it was his heart that wanted salvation for humanity. We see that the Son actually paid for salvation for you and I. The Father didn't pay, the Son paid for you and I. And then we also understand in salvation that the Holy Spirit actually applies salvation to us by entering into our life. And so we see the Trinity at work in so many different areas throughout Scripture and creation as well. And it's so interesting when we talk about the Trinity, it's really easy to understand the role of a Father and the role of a Son because we have human relationships that help us to understand that, but, but how about the Holy Spirit? Now, that one is, is very different. There's no human relationships that can help us understand, and so that's where I believe that these icons are helpful for us to understand what the Holy Spirit is like. Uh, our series text for today is going to be coming from John 14. We're going to be reading verses 16 and 17. Uh, Jesus is about to face crucifixion. 
and he's explaining to his disciples that he's going to go away and that he's going to no longer be with them. So he's going to introduce them to somebody who's going to be with him in his absence. Here's what he says, John 14, starting at verse 16. Jesus says this, he says, and I will ask the father and he will give you another helper. In other words, Jesus said, I've been here helping you, but another helper is going to come in my place. And in fact, he's going to be with you forever. Verse 17, even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, you know him, the spirit of truth, because he dwells with you and he will be in you. Jesus saying, because I'm leaving, I'm sending somebody in my place and I'm gonna send you a helper. And who does, who is this helper that Jesus introduces them to? The spirit of truth, the spirit of God, the Holy Spirit. And he says, hey, the world doesn't understand who the Holy Spirit is. The world doesn't know who the Holy Spirit is, but, but you do. In fact, he's actually been with you. You should be familiar with him, but there's gonna be a day where he's, not going to be just with you, but he's actually going to live and he's going to be in you. This was significant for the disciples because they were familiar with the spirit of God. They read the Old Testament. They understood the, the prophets and, and all of the writings of Moses. They, they, they saw the instances where the Holy Spirit would come down on people like Samson and, and Moses and, and Deborah for a moment for a temporary task or for a season to rule, but, but never come and rest in forever. And so this was a a different type of resting that Jesus was introducing to these disciples. This week, we're going to talk about the icon of the dove. Somebody say the dove. It's cute little sweet doves. We see this in Matthew 3 and 16. There's actually a distinct connection between the Holy Spirit and the icon of the dove. Let's Read it together, Matthew three sixteen. It says, and when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water. And behold, the heavens were open to him. And he saw the spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, a, a voice from heaven said, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. Did you know that doves are known distinctly from other birds for they're graceful flight patterns. In fact, um, this actually in- includes a, a unique descending pattern that doves take unlike other birds. Unlike some other birds that might abruptly land and perch somewhere, doves are recognized for their slow and controlled graceful descents, almost as if they're gliding. And, and here we see in this picture that heaven's opening up over Jesus before he's, as he's getting ready to be baptized and, and the dove, the Holy Spirit coming to rest. Now, I think it's important to understand that the Holy Spirit is not a dove. In fact, scripture says he comes like a dove in a, in a graceful way coming to rest and perch in Jesus's life. So God gives us this imagery here about the Holy Spirit, and he chooses a dove to do this. The dove in this passage gives us a window into what the Holy Spirit is like. In your notes, we can notice that the dove is a symbol of approval. 
Earlier in this passage, there were actually some Pharisees and Sadducees coming to be there for the baptism of Jesus. They were, they were coming, and John the Baptist was baptizing people, and Jesus was coming to be baptized too, but they weren't coming to approve of Jesus. They were actually coming to disapprove Jesus. But there was actually another guest present at the baptism of Jesus, the Holy Spirit of God resting on him, giving us a visual sign of God's approval from the Father. How might we apply this scripture to us today? I think scripture would be calling and inviting us to ask us this question. And here's the question I have for you. It's this, uh, are you approved by God today? Have you repented of your sins? Have you invited Jesus to be your Lord and Savior? Has the Holy Spirit come to descend, not just above you, but actually descend in you as your seal of salvation and not just a temporary ascending, not just a temporary moment, but actually come to be with you forever as Jesus told his disciples? See, the good news for those of us who know Jesus is the Holy Spirit has descended on us, and he is our mark of approval. And there might be voices of Pharisees and Sadducees coming into your life and into your world. The voice of the enemy might come in, and he might come like these guys did in Scripture to disapprove you. And tell you how unworthy you are. And tell you how unfit you are for the things of God. And tell you how unfit you are to be a daughter or son of God. But I got good news for you today that the Holy Spirit has come. And he has come with a voice to you. And his voice, I believe the same words that were spoken over Jesus are spoken over his sons and daughters. And I believe that he's saying to you and I today, you are approved. The Holy Spirit is a sign of approval. He's saying to you and I today, you are mine. I think it's so important for us as believers because we're usually not approved in any space in our life just simply based off of who we are. We usually have to work pretty hard for people's approval. Our hair has to be just right if we wanna hang out with those girls. You know, our clothes have to be just right if we wanna hang out with these people. Uh, if we wanna be elevated in the workplace, we gotta, we gotta work extra hard to be recognized and be noticed. And, and even in marriage, we gotta, we gotta work hard in our marriage and we gotta work hard in every relationship of our life. And it's very rare to find somebody who just says, I approve of you just because of who you are. And that's what the Holy Spirit does for you and I. And it's important for us to know that our works will never buy our approval with God. It doesn't work that way with him. It's important to have works, but our works do not buy our approval. In your notes, here's what's important to know and understand, and it's this. Our approval of God is not about performance. It's about position. See, we're approved by God because of our position as sons and daughters, because of the position of the Holy Spirit in our life. And, and don't hear what I'm not saying today. He doesn't approve of our sin and, and all of our unholy behavior that you may have from time to time. In fact, he actually paid a great price for this. But he, he approves intrinsically of who you are as his sons and daughters. And he is trying to get you and I to live from that place of approval. See, 
when a child is born into this world without a parent, without a mother or a father to love them and, and teach them that they are approved by mom and dad, a child who grows up without love becomes an unruly child. But there's something powerful about love, what love does in the heart of an individual. See, when you take a child who's been unloved and you put a child in a home that begins to receive love, there's nothing healing like the love of the father, the love of a parent that just says, hey, I want you to know that I love you. I'm with you. I, I, I don't care what goes on, but I want you to know that I am here and I love you and I'm not going to give up on you. And that child begins to realize how loved they truly are and they're changed from the inside out. We're talking about the dove as an icon of the Holy Spirit. So far, we notice in the New Testament that the dove is a symbol of approval. Now we're going to go back to some other spots in scriptures, just two of them, to take a look to see if we can learn some more about who the Holy Spirit is by observing doves. Let's look at Genesis 8 and 8. This is actually the first appearance of this icon, the dove, seen in Genesis 8.8. And if you know the, the story, if you know Genesis, we see the story of the fall and how humanity had filled the earth with incredible amounts of evil. And how many know that God doesn't want us to live in a place full of evil? So because of that, God judged humanity and there was a gigantic flood and it destroyed all of sin and all the evil in the world. And God actually gave man a clean slate. He gave them a second chance. And he actually chose a family, Noah and his family, to build a boat and survive the flood and repopulate the earth. And after the flood was over, uh, Noah was trying to find out, hey, is, is the earth safe for us to open up the ark and allow humanity and all the animals back out to populate? And here, here's what happened as we read Genesis 8 and 8. It says, and then he, Noah, sent forth a dove to see if the waters have subsided from the face of the ground. And we're going to skip down to verse 11. In between verse 9 and 11, the, Noah discovered that the earth wasn't ready. The dove flew back, and he sent the dove back out again to see if the waters have subsided again. And, and here's what happens. Verse 11, the dove actually came back to him in the evening, and behold, in her mouth was a fresh-plucked olive leaf. And so Noah knew that the waters had subsided from the earth. What can we learn about the Holy Spirit from observing this dove? In your notes, I noticed that the dove is a symbol of peace, a symbol of peace. The dove returned with an olive leaf. What's so significant about an olive leaf? Well, the olive branch or leaf is recognized around the world and in scripture and in secular as a symbol of peace. This is why you might hear somebody say, I'm extending an olive branch. See, when somebody extends an olive branch, it means that they're making an effort to mend a broken relationship between two people or between two nations. And here's what we can learn from this dove as it brings an olive branch to Noah. I believe that we see typology in the dove here as the Holy Spirit comes back to this boat, comes back to humanity after judging the world and offers an olive branch to humanity, mending peace between God and man saying, hey, I want you to know that it is now safe 
in relationship with me. My earth is now safe for you. It's ready for you to come and take over. Enmity between you and I is done. I'm satisfied. And here's the question for you and I. The Holy Spirit has extended an olive branch to you and I. And the question is this. What have you done with the olive branch that he's extended to you? Have you received salvation if you don't know Jesus today? If you do know Jesus today, have you really received his olive branch? And I'm not talking about just salvation, but I'm talking about the peace, the inner peace that comes in the life of a believer as we walk in this life. The inner peace we have as a believer when it comes to facing eternity. See, because the Holy Spirit has extended an olive branch representing peace between you and I. Scripture says that we actually, in eternity, get to approach the throne of grace with boldness. Why? Because we're something special? Because we're extra holy on our own? Well, we are really holy because of the Holy Spirit. But in fact, because God has extended an olive branch to us, and there's now peace between us and God. And when you have peace between a friend, man, you approach them ways that you don't approach an enemy. You approach an enemy with fear, with caution. You don't know how they're going to respond. You come crawling on your knees begging. But to a friend who there's peace, to a parent where there's peace, you just come running in the house. And you just come hug your friend. You... You know, you give them that secret handshake. I mean, whatever your thing is, because there's peace between the two of you. In fact, John, in John 14 and 17, Jesus tells us regarding the Holy Spirit, he's saying, when I leave the helper with you, here's, here's what I'm leaving with you. Here's what you need to know my helper does for you. He says this, peace I leave with you, and my peace I give to you, not as the world gives it, do I give it to you. In other words, he's saying, I don't give temporary peace to you like the world gives. And temporary satisfaction, no, don't let your heart be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Why? Why should we not be troubled? Why should we not be afraid? Because his peace is with us. And it's not just a temporary peace. In fact, the Holy Spirit is coming to be with us and to be in us. How long? Forever. Forever, not forever like we think of it, forever like till the end of earth, until the end of earth. No, forever on into eternity, forever that you can't understand. Here's what I know by experience in your notes. His peace is given, but it's not always lived in. His peace is given, but it's not always lived in. I've lived many of my days in strife and anxiety all while having access to the peace of God. I just, I wasn't living in it. And living in the peace of God is a, is a choice. It's a, it's a, it's a behavior. It's a, it's a mindset. And, and I want to tell you, it's not as much of a work, but it's about transformation. It's about us submitting ourselves to God over and over again, day after day in prayer and in his word, submitting our minds, submitting our anxieties, submitting our worries, submitting our concerns and confessing Despite what's around me, God, you've given me peace. So I'm not going to hold on to my anxieties. I'm not going to hold on to my worries and my concerns. But I realize that I can actually let them down because you've extended an olive branch to me. 
We're talking about the dove as an icon of the Holy Spirit. So far, we've noticed that the dove is a symbol of approval. We've noticed that the dove is a symbol of peace. This is how we can know the Holy Spirit through this icon, the dove. And this is how we can begin to understand what he, he does in our life and what he brings. He brings approval and he brings peace. Lastly, in your notes today, the dove is a symbol of purity, a symbol of purity. In the Old Testament, we find a lot of laws, the Levitical laws, the the Ten Commandments, and the 614 other laws, and there's ceremonial laws, and there's moral laws, and there's food laws. There's, there's all kinds of things that the community of God had to, had to go through to fulfill these laws, to remain in right standing with God, to remain pure. And, and a, lot of these, a lot of these laws were because they didn't understand hygiene at the time. They were, they were trying to keep the community uh, pure and, and healthy, uh, make sure that disease didn't run rampant in the community. You'll find interesting uh, ceremonial laws about around anybody who touches blood and, and all kinds of different things because God wanted this people to be pure, but not only just physically healthy, but pure of heart. See, you couldn't offer just any sacrifice to receive this purity. And in these laws, one of the laws was that somebody needed to offer a sacrifice for sins that were committed to be restored back to the position of purity. Now, there was a specific types of animals that you could actually sacrifice. You can just sacrifice any animal. Guess what animal was acceptable to be burned for this offering? Take a guess. A dove? Somebody said lamb. You're right about lamb. You're right about the lamb. But a dove was also an acceptable offering. Doves were considered as ceremonial clean. They were pure and able to be used for a sacrifice. They're typically used by those who are too poor to afford larger animals like lambs. We see this in Leviticus chapter five, verse seven. Let's read it together. Anyone who can, cannot afford a lamb is to bring two doves or two young pigeons. I'm bringing a dove. I'm not bringing a pigeon, man. Pigeons, they steal everything. French fries, I mean, they're weird. Doves probably do too, but they're usually in cages. They're cute. To bring two doves or two young pigeons to the Lord as a penalty for their sin, one for a sin offering and the other for a burnt offering. Here we see doves symbolizing purity, ceremonial cleansing. And for those living under the old covenant, this was a a sacrifice that would have to be brought every year. And it was only temporary. It lasted the year. Then they would have to bring more to be pure before God. And, And here's the good news for you and I. What the sacrifices of doves did for humanity in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit does for believers in the new covenant today. You don't have to bring sacrifices year after year to be ceremonial clean and enough for God. 
In fact, when the Holy Spirit comes in your life, he comes like a dove, like a cleansing agent, like a purifying agent to come and not just be with you, but actually rest in you. And his purifying agent is a continual forever, Jesus said, to be with you, purifying agent. How many know that's good news? (laughs) We see this in 1 Corinthians 6 and 11. Coming off of the previous verses in Corinthians 6, Paul was talking to a bunch of new covenant believers about lostness, about unrighteousness, and about being dead in sin because these Corinthians were Gentiles and they were, they were lost. They were dead in their sin. They were dead in their trespasses. They were unrighteous. They were impure. And here's what Paul says to them. Let's read it together. Verse 11. And as such were some of you. He was saying, hey, you were also impure. You were also unclean. You were also unholy. But, aren't you glad for the word but? But you were washed. You were sanctified. And you were justified in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And how, Paul, how did this happen? Well, it happened by the Spirit of our God. It's important for us to understand what happens to us at salvation. The Bible says that we were washed. See, some people think that you need continual washing, and and there actually is theology that describe a a bit of a, I don't want to call it continual washing. It's the word sanctification. It means that the salvation work that has been done in us, what's actually true of us is now day after day coming out of us, transforming us day after day as we become to be more like God. But the internal you, the new you, the new, the new man, the new woman of God, that son, that daughter is actually holy and clean. It has been washed to never need to be washed again. God doesn't need to go die on a cross again to wash you clean. The washing was good the first time. And, and, and how were we washed? Well, by the Holy Spirit, by the Spirit of God. And I believe God's word for you and I today is this. Stop calling impure what God calls pure. See, some of us as believers, I say us because I know all too well that I lived many days calling impure what God called pure. And there's nothing more painful for a parent that when their child is not living up to who they're supposed to be, they're not living up to their potential and they're living in self-defeat they're living with a corrupted mind. And a parent looks at you, looks at their child and says, sweetie, that's not who you are. Like, I know who you are. I, I, I know who you were before all this brokenness came on your life. And a parent would begin to speak into them. You are loved. You are, you've always been accepted by me. And that's what the father says to you and I. You are loved. You are pure. Your intrinsic new nature is pure. And stop calling unclean what I call clean. I believe it's time for us to stop focusing on what's wrong with us and start focusing on what's right with us. 
I'm telling you, I lived so much of my life, probably the first 15 years of being a believer, focus on what was wrong with me. And I'm telling you, when I began to focus on what was right with me in Christ, and I stopped listening to the lies of the enemy, I stopped listening to, to the old dead flesh, the old dead nature, and I started paying attention to who Christ said I was, I'm going to tell you something. A transformation began to happen in my life like I can't even begin to explain. And I believe today that there are some people today that even this simple message about the Holy Spirit coming to approve us and purify us, and make us holy. I believe he wants to transform somebody's mind in here today. I have two things as we close out our service. And the first is this, I'm gonna invite you to, invite you to bow your heads and close your eyes. Today, if you don't know Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, I, I wanna say this to you with kindness and gentleness. You are in need of the washing of the Holy Spirit. God does not approve of sin. He does not approve of impurity. And here's why. In fact, you're a lot like him. See, in your house, there are things that you don't tolerate because you say, this is my house. And if you're in my house, you play by my rules. Why? Because all of us think that our rules are good. We think that kindness in our house is what we want people to experience when they're in our house. When our neighbors come over, we want them to experience kindness. We want them to experience love. We want them to experience hospitality. See, and when the Father welcomes you into his house, he wants to make sure there's no impurity in his house. And that's why we're not fit for his house as unsaved people, as impure and unholy people. Because he wants to make sure that when you enter his house, his house is full of love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and acceptance and forgiveness and mercy and love. Why? Because he knows that that, that is the kind of house that you really long for. And we can't enter a house like that without being touched by salvation and changed by God. And so today, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, today he wants to send his Holy Spirit into your life and save you. The Bible says in Ephesians 2.8, it's by grace that we're saved through faith. We can't work hard enough to receive salvation. We'll never be good enough to receive salvation because our level of good enough is nothing compared to God's level. And God wants to do something for you that you can never do for yourself, and that's called grace. And we receive salvation simply by believing in Jesus and being willing to lay down and let go of our old life and turn to God and surrender to him and allow him to transform the way we think and believe what he believes about sin. 
and believe what he believes about us as new sons and daughters. And today, if Jesus Christ is not your personal Lord and Savior with every head bowed and every eye closed, I just wanna invite you to slip your hand up and down just saying, I wanna invite Jesus into my life today. Maybe you don't know him today and he's not your Lord and Savior. I wanna make an opportunity for that. Is there anybody in this room today? I, wanna, I want Jesus in my life as my personal Lord and Savior. Just slip your hand up and slip it down. Here's the next question I want to ask believers today. And here's the question. Has the Holy Spirit said anything to you today? Has he said anything new to you today? Has he reminded you of anything today? Has he spoken to you today? And if that's you today, if he's spoken to you in any way, reminded you of anything, I'm just gonna invite this whole body to just stand up, just as a declaration saying, hey, we are a people that hear God. We listen to him when he speaks. We respond to him when he speaks. And there are some people today that you might not know today, and I don't know what your thing is. And, and listen, people, people in this room, they don't, they don't know where you're at, but the Holy Spirit today might be speaking to you and just saying, hey, I want to remind you that, that you're approved by me. I love you just the way you are. And he's saying to some people in the room today, I know you live life as if I haven't extended an olive branch to you. I see how easily unwound you become and, and you have forgotten that my Holy Spirit is with you and my peace is with you. And I'm inviting you to live in a new level of peace with me. Stand up. And lastly today, the Holy Spirit has purified you in every way. We're not just talking about sexual purity. We're not just talking about relational purity. We're talking about purity of thoughts and purity of intent and purity of heart, purity of mind, purity of emotion. And I'm just gonna invite everyone standing and anybody who's not, if you wanna join us up here in the front. I always think there's just something special as we open the altars. Come on, come on. I wanna invite you guys to come on up to the front and if anybody else would like to join us, you're welcome to come on up to the front as well. And, and here's what I would like to do. The worship team is gonna to begin to sing in a moment and here's where I want the attention of our prayers to be is that none of us by any amount of works can get ourselves to the place of knowing how approved we are, knowing how pure we are and knowing how much peace we have. If you were able to do that on your own, you've already figured it out. You know what I'm talking about? Go ahead and scoot over this way for me, guys. We're just gonna make some extra room over here. We'd have figured it out. You know what we need? You, should, you probably know by now, because I say it often, we need the transforming work of the Holy Spirit to just come in and do his job. Does anybody want him to come in and do his job? So today all we're doing is we're opening our hearts and I'm gonna invite you to lift your hands if you're comfortable and we're just gonna say, Holy Spirit, we invite you right now, not just in this moment, but every day, just to transform our thoughts. Holy Spirit, I've been unable to understand how approved I am in you. 
But Holy Spirit, I, I, I repent. I, I have condemned myself. I, I repent of those thoughts. I've said things that I am, which I'm actually not. In fact, I'm, I'm pure and, and I'm holy and I'm, I'm approved. And I, and I receive your words today. And I pray that you would just help my mind every time these thoughts come in, that you would, you would help me to condemn those thoughts and remind me that that's not who I am. And God, I get to live and walk in peace no matter how much the earth shakes around me, no matter how difficult my body can be physically on me, no matter how hard it can be. God, I get to live in your peace. Would you just confess to him this morning and just invite his transforming work?